Ohren. Maximum Terror. That's your target audience, baby! Phantasm. Do you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm. Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! Sell the metal! This is Dr. Vincent West, Medical Doctor of Phantasm Podcast. I'm searching through the internet six months ago. I find this band, Them. They're fucking really, really cool. And I'm a big King Diamond fan, Merciful Fate fan. And I was like, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. And now I'm getting to interview the vocalist today. So we're, we're talking. Uh, this is so fucking cool. Troy, thank you for doing this. Um, and. Yeah, no problem. You guys have a new record out coming called Fierce City, but before we get into Fierce City, tell me the how them became kind of what you were alluding to a minute ago. You know, how did this become a band? So let me just state for the record uh, before I even dive into that: um, in no way have we ever done anything to disrespect any other band or we're not trying to copy any other band we're not trying to rip off any other bands because we've actually been you know uh, told uh not told but like people that just look on the surface and really out without really diving deeper into what we're about they they they'll say like oh or you know we might be a king diamond clone or uh even lately now people are referring us to as a ghost a ghost clone which is completely absurd jesus um, Christ. i never like got ghost. that <laughs> Yeah, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that uh, momentarily. Um, so I just want to say, like, back in 2000, what was it, uh, 2008, okay? Yeah. Uh, I, I was in a cover band, and we just played all different types of covers, uh, heavy metal covers, rock covers, and even played a few originals. A local band that used to play uh, in the, in the, on the Long Island area in the music scene. Nice. And uh, one day I came in, and I heard one of the guitar players warming up before we did a rehearsal. He was playing a King Diamond song. Actually, I remember the song. It was The Invisible Guests. Nice. And I was blown away that he knew it, and he was a walking jukebox. He said, I don't only know that song, I know the whole album. And I said, you know, that would have been that would be great if we could just do one song from King or because we were a cover band. And he said, I will do it. The other guy said, No, we're not interested. I don't know why, but they didn't want to do it. So I told this guitar player, his name is Rob Cesarski. Or his name is Rob Cesarski, still friends with him to this day. Um, I said, Rob, let's just put together one show, maybe two or three tops. And do like a King Diamond tribute next year. How about that? And he said, sure. And this was actually 2007. Okay. So 2008 rolls around. I said, okay, it's time. Let's do this. So he said, okay. So we started putting the other band members together. And at that time, the rest of the band was members that I used to play with in my uh, high school era. Uh, you know, like a, not even high school era, like 18 to 23 which was a band called Cold Steel. And they were a thrash, speed metal thrash metal nice. band. And we, we made a little, um, a little chip into the uh, underground. We, 
actually uh, our tapes are being traded even today. It's funny. Uh, but the rest, some of the members of Cold Steel were part of this tribute. And unfortunately, this guy, Rob, he couldn't continue with this tribute. So we wound up getting someone else. And it was literally three-fifths of Cold Steel. And we're playing a King Diamond tribute. And it was we, we named it Them, the King Diamond tribute. And Them is my favorite King Diamond album. That's what, hence the name Them. It's amazing. And uh, King Diamond solo album, I should say. And uh, we turned around and we, we, you know, we did a bunch of, we did three shows. I mean, it was just a ridiculous, you know, just ridiculous uh, experience. Uh, we had Mike Weed from King Diamond play some songs with us. Yeah, I read that. I thought uh, crazy. Our, that was insane. So then we would we sat down after the three shows and we said, hey, look, let's continue further. What do you think? Yeah, sure. So we played another two and a half years. At the t- tail end of the, the three total of three and a half years, we've, we've done uh, countless shows in, throughout New York, Long Island, New Jersey. Uh, we even went as far as um, Michigan and Ohio. And we've played, you know, we played numerous shows. Finally... Uh, you know, just the shits and giggles, I decided to reach out to um, the bass player of King Diamond at the time, uh, Hal Patino. And I told him what we were doing, and we actually, we had a problem with a bass player at the time. One, you know, he, he bailed. Uh, he was also Cold Steel, Greg Hawk. And Hal Patino said, uh, I asked him, hey, look, why don't you come over and play some shows with us? He said, sure. So he literally came over, Hal Patino at the time from King Diamond and how many years he's been with King Diamond. Uh, King was on a hiatus at that time. You know, he had numerous uh, surgeries and, yep. and he had, you know, back issues and whatnot. So um, Hal came and he lived with me for two two weeks and we played four shows. And it was another experience because I would actually see him lay out outfits, which he actually didn't wear, but he brought them. That I saw him play, that I saw him wear when he was, you know, performing with King uh, back at some of the larger Crazy. venues in New York City back in the day, and I was blown away. And it was, I was a, you know, I was like, a, I was a fanboy, you know, just experiencing the moment. But Hal and I be- have become friends over this situation, and I mean, I would even go food shopping with him, and over the course of two weeks, it was an experience for him as well. So we played these four shows, and then I said to these guys, I said, listen, you know, we we have a new bass player. We actually did get a new bass player at the time. And I said, listen, I, I really want to do original. I have the original bug. All right? It's fun playing covers and whatnot. And sure, of course. We, we, nailed it. we nailed the King Diamond stuff. I mean, we nailed it dead on. I said, look, there's three-fifths of Cold Steel. We've written like 30-something songs. We had demos. We had an album right. back in the day, the early 90s. Let's, we could do, we could do this. Let's do something uh, where I could utilize this other style of singing, all right? Because that's not how I normally sing, the falsetto stuff. I don't normally sing like that. I said, let's do, you, you do something that's heavier, that's maybe thrashier, but utilize different styles of singing and incorporating some of the falsetto stuff in it as well. And they were like, ah, they, they, they really, they were more into like the whole weekend warrior type of thing. And that's cool because, you know, like we all have our day jobs and we all have to pay our bills, but they decided they really weren't into it so much. Well, at that time, at that same time, I had 
uh, a Cold Steel EP uh, to, that was recorded and, and, and resurrected um, uh, the notion that I could put Cold Steel to sleep the way I wanted to right. uh, because of the whole history of that, which I won't go into in this segment. Um, so while, that, while I was finished with the recording, um, I had interest from two record companies, smaller record companies. One was in Germany, and the other one was in uh, California. Okay. And the one from Germany, his the, that ran it, it was called Battle Cry Records. They wanted to re-release Cold Steel's uh, 1991, or sorry, 1992 debut release called Freak Boy. Nice. Remaster it, re-release it. So I worked out a deal with them to do this. And uh, so that got me back in the studio. I actually recorded over material that I didn't see for almost 30 years. It was pretty amazing. Um, and I re-recorded something and, you know, made some changes and whatnot. And it was remastered, you know, released. And this guy, his name is Andy, Andy Presig. And Andy picked up the phone. He happened to be on Long Island. And he called me up and he says, hey, Troy, listen. I'd like to meet with you for you know for dinner and just the BS and talk. I said sure. I, I had I have never met him, so I went to go meet him at an Outback Steakhouse on, in um, Lindenhurst, Long Island. Okay, and when I met him, he had about six other people with him. I didn't know who any of them were. They were all German, and apparently they had just come up. The uh, the people that were with him were part of a band called Landfear. Okay, and Landfear, I heard of the band. I oh, I know who they know are. Music, and I, what was that? I know who they are. You do? Yeah, yeah they're like okay, a power so metal band, yeah. Power metal, prog metal? Yeah. yeah they were German. I know exactly German. who they are. Yep, yep. So they played um, this, uh, at the Prog Fest. And when they played the Prog Fest, they, um, they came up, up north, some of the band members, with Andy. Holy shit, I, not to cut you, I saw them. That was at Prog Power, wasn't it? Prog Power, yeah. No, I that. saw that. I don't know what year that was, but I, I know I saw them. If you saw Landfear there, right after that, that is when them, that's when the them that we're talking about formed. I didn't mean to cut you, but goddamn, that's crazy. Isn't that nuts? So they just finished that awesome show. They come up there, the, uh, the guitar player of Landfear, uh, his name is Marcus Ulrich. Yes. Uh, or, or we also refer to him as Ule. Uh, Ule was sitting across from me at this table of, you know, and their drummer, uh, Jen. Jen was sitting to my right, and Ule was sitting in front of me, and the other guys were around. Uh, and Andy was to my left. And I had an iPad with me, and I wanted to show Andy uh, from Battlecry Records uh, some of the ideas for this Cold Steel EP that was coming out called America Idol. And I'm showing him, I'm flipping through, like, you know, pages. And he goes, whoa, 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 hold on. Go back to that. What was that? And I didn't actually intend to show him, but it was it was like a, a logo. It was the Them logo. And I had it designed back then. So this was like 2000, oh, wow, uh, 12? Nice. Like 2011, 2012. Right. Uh, that I had this logo. And it was created by Travis Smith, uh, an artist that also created artwork for Flotsam, for uh, King, and many other heavy metal bands. Nice. That was a remarkable experience, just having him design this logo that sure. cost $50. It was amazing. <laughs> anyway, so he, 
Andy looks at this logo and he says, wow, that's a cool logo. Uh, what is this? And I said, it's, it's my idea of an original band uh, that, you know, stemmed from the King Diamond tribute. And I explained everything to him. I showed him a sample artwork uh, of what, what ideas I had for my face, what ideas I had for the uh, artwork of the cover. And he said to me, you have to do this as soon as possible. Uh, this would be pretty popular if you did if you did something like this and, and it did it well, it would be really popular. I said, oh, okay, that's cool. So I kept in touch with Ule, Marcus Ulrich. And um, I remember it through Facebook Messenger. And uh, I remember telling him, I said, you know, I can't believe it. These guys won't do this M project. You know, we became, we became friends. And, and he says, oh, I'll do it with you. And I said, you will? He said, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm thinking, okay, well, you know what? It could be just a project over the course of time. Within like a, a month, maybe between a month and two months, he handed me a full record. And that was the, them's first album called Sweet Hollow. I couldn't believe he just handed me a whole album. Oh, Literally the whole entire album he wrote. So, blowing away, I jumped right into it. I was excited. It was a catalyst. It just jacked me up. And we, we did this whole album. But now we needed other musicians. Um, so, I started going through my, my Rolodex. I actually had um, uh, the drummer from Suffocation, the band Suffocation, staying with me as he would prepare to um, go on tour with Suffo. Because uh, Suffocation, I'm friends with uh, a number of them, and we lived fairly close. I'm friends in with fact, them as well. Suffocation was, yeah, was that? I'm very good friends with uh, Terrence, Derek, yeah, Pops, and yeah, then Pops uh, and, Derek. and then and then here's the weird one. Not to cut in with you, this is just so cool how much we have in common. I'm so glad we did this interview. Um, yeah, I Terrence that they've been kind of a. I hated I didn't get to see them last time, but Frank, we've had on a bunch, and then Terrence, and then the weird one is their original drummer became a really good friend of mine. Wow. So, and then, you know, he's not in the band anymore, but, you know, and we still correspond in what I need to have him back on sometime, but dude, that's, it's such a small world sometimes when you start connecting dots, but I didn't mean to cut you off just the second you said that. No, that's okay. I'm a, they're my favorite death metal band, so that's like, you know. Oh, they're, they're, they're the pioneers. They're just one of the best, if not the best. <laughs> oh, I they, think uh, so. Also, uh, yeah, they're just they're fantastic. And I'm saying that, I mean, death metal really isn't my cup of tea, but I appreciate their art. And um, the drummer who was staying with me was Kevin Talley. Oh, uh, nice, on, man. Nice. Uh, was, wasn't he on Pinnacles of Bedlam? I think he was on Pinnacles. Pinnacle of Bedlam. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the point is, Kevin was staying at my house you know we became buds and um he, he i would play him <coughs> sweet hollow parts of it you know as we were working on it he said this is really good that guitar play is really good you have a drummer i said no he said i'll do it i said okay that's, that's fucking that awesome he, he brought in our other guitar player marcus johansson who he played with on one of marcus's projects uh, it was called silencer and Marcus is still in the band to this day. Kevin was tied up with uh, Suffo. Uh, we also had Mike LaPond on our first two albums. Oh, wow. And Mike LaPond loved playing, um, you know, recording with us. But he, too, was tied up between Symphony X and Ross the Boss. So as we go on, 
And ironically enough, our current drummer is from Ross the Boss, too. Really? So That's awesome. All these guys, we all sleep in each other's beds, you know, it's just funny. So, um, so anyway, so once we did the full album, we got a, an offer to do a tour as a direct slot for Halloween across the United States and parts of Canada. And we, we did it, and it was a success. And so at that time, that's when we got um, we got approached by uh, SPB Steamhammer, and uh, we tend the deal, and we fulfilled that deal with the last two albums, uh, Matter of the Seven Gables, which was album number two, and Return to Hemisphere, which was album number three. And they asked us to do another album, so we did another album, hence Fear City. Now, the one thing that you may not know, that a lot of people don't know, that some people started to get after the third album was released, and it was very interesting, it took three for people to really, you know, connect the dots. But this, thematically, this is a single tale that spans across whatever albums we release. So, and they're sequential. So Sweet Hollow directly ties into Matter. Matter directly ties into Return to Hemisphere. Return to Hemisphere directly ties into Fear City. And the thing is, there are aspects of some albums that, or thematically, that might that might reappear in future albums. You see what I'm saying? So there's a it's amazing. There's a very uh, it's a very conducive story and thematically it's journey if you really think about it when you listen you read all the lyrics and you and you understand the full context of the story it's really the pain and suffering that this man uh klaus koenig or kk foster endures through his life and and what you know what he does to uh circumvent it and or embrace it and that's really the, the brunt of the, the whole story. Um, and there's a lot of things that happen, you know, from the beginning to now. But the main difference from the last three records to this album is a different time period. And in order to transition to another time period without skipping a beat within the story, KK had died the last record. Okay. He was sucked into the ground. And I'm not going to go into the whole story, but he was sucked into the ground. He was dead. He had an assistant named Remsen. And Remsen helped him throughout the three albums. And you didn't really know who Remsen was until, by name, you didn't know who he was until the beginning of album number two, Matter of the Seven Gables. Now, Remsen is a very uh, Igor-like character. This was in the 1800s that the story took place. And then KK dies. Okay. Now, Remsen, who's a very, uh, you know, very loyal and he's a devout assistant, he turns around and he's like, I'm lost. I'm, my, my master's dead. He's gone. Um, we released a song uh, back in December called Encore. And Encore, there's little traces <laughs> of what could happen, what might happen. And in that song, uh, KK's uh, spirit speaks to Remsen, telling him he must not forget his bloodline that he he has seed to sow the, the the you know the continuation of his bloodline is essential to you know to their future and you know basically nobody really truly understood what that meant because when a hundred years later there's a toxic chemical spill that occurs right outside the town of Hemisphere that is where KK died and it resurrects him. Um, and he comes back to life. He looks a slightly different. 
uh, he's a little different, and he's in a different time period, right, where there's all this techno technological advancements, and he's overwhelmed. But he now knows he's still in sync with what his plan was when he had died, right. which was to destroy his nemesis, a guy named Peter Thompson, who originally killed his family back at the Hemisphere Witch Trials on album number one. So he now knows, he realizes he's in a different time period, and he must sever the bloodline or destroy the lineage of Peter Thompson because they're evil, and he's determined to complete the task at hand. Now, he has to do it. He needs his assistant, so he seeks out the great-great-grandson of Remsen, who is now Ronaldo. And Ronaldo, he explains, Ronaldo, I, I now need to find... I must find uh, Thompson's, um, you know, Thompson's, uh, 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 what do you call it, great great grandson, or you know, his his descendant, and destroy him. And he says, I know someone who can help us. So he takes him to Valerie, who's a prostitute. Now, Thompson, in this story in Fear City, he's a minister. His facade is a minister. He's a minister. He's a televangelist. But in reality, at the very very end, it's unveiled that he's the kingpin. He's the underground crime lord of New York City. Oh, wow. And he's, you know, he has, and, and kind of like the album ends like on a, like a cliffhanger. So if there was, and each album that we do is left on a cliffhanger. Why? Because A, if there is no album after that, that is the end of the line. B, if there is an album, I can continue the story very easily. So that's the gist of thematically how, you know, how everything, you know, interconnects with one another, if that makes any sense. Do you write all of this stuff? Because it's, it's fucking fantastic. Yeah, I write all the lyrics. I write the, um, the you know, all the, the theme, the concept, the logo design I was directly involved with, uh, my facial prosthetic. And he has a, KK has a, an inverted cross burning to his face. And a lot of people might look at that at first glance and and the band members have the same inverted cross on their on the breast of their shirts and there's a reason for that that was the mark that was given to him at the time of his family's death and he was left to live the remaining days of on, on earth bearing his shame because back in the 1800s that's something that they would do and it has nothing, it has nothing to do with satan and a lot of people think oh wow that's satanic and, and at first we had a lot of people they were saying oh wow that's awesome you know hail satan hail satan but no that's <laughs> not what that's about so it's kind of like look looking in the book don't judge it by just looking at the cover you got to read the book right. you have to know that this man he's not a, an evil man he's like an anti-hero He's kind of like Ash from the Evil Dead series, um, where he's you know he's uh, a vigil, kind of like a vigilante, but like an anti-hero. Um, but he's not evil. He's um, Snake Plissken at, at his core. Like Plissken, yeah, he's like a Plissken guy. It's a great, so, it's uh, amazing. Yeah, so I have um, uh, you know as far as the time period, how we came to come to the time period of 1981. That, that was not my idea. That was the idea of uh, Marcus Johansson, because we were, you know, like what we want to continue the story. But hey, what about in the eighties? You know, bring him back in the eighties, and I, you know, I thought about it. Uh, Ule thought about it, and we're like, that sounds like it could be very interesting. And uh, you know, I originally had ideas for up to twelve albums, 
um, represent one representing uh, each hand of a cl- uh, on the clock. Um, but I don't know if that will happen. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. All I know is right now we're we're all enjoying what we do, and we love writing and recording, and we love creating. And there will be people that love it, people that say it's ah, and some people that will hate it. And we just do it as long as there are some people that buy it. That's cool. And if not, we may still continue to do it. Who knows? We don't know. But we just enjoy what we do, and we become like a family. We well, no, we are a family. Um, I would go. I would just go to Germany just to spend time with my German brothers, and and you know, like I had um, Marcus Johansson. He's he's come to my house numerous times uh, just 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 to hang out. So and he lives in Chicago, and I live in New York. So, nice. You know, that's the deal. First of all, I want to tell you, I'm a huge horror fan. I'm a big comic book collector, and this band appeals to me on so many levels. In my personal opinion, and I hope this is a compliment to you, you have put more time and effort into these records than King Diamond has in the later half of his career. I mean, I, wow. dude, this is very impressive to me. It seriously is. This has been a fantastic interview, too. I'm very excited to, to check more of this new album out. I'm a fan. Like I said, I stumbled across it, and it kind of just, the interview fell in my lap. It's like it was fate to talk to you. But, dude, I'm telling you, this is goddamn impressive. I think you guys are great. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm a big death metal guy, but I'm a, I grew up, you know, I'm an older guy. I grew up in the 80s, 70s, and 80s. I like my my, my classic metal stuff. This shit's great. And the, the time and, and thought process that you just told that you've put into these records, man, I hope you make it to fucking 12 or 13. Do whatever you want. I mean, I think it's fucking great. And like I said, it's I'm gonna I'm gonna it's spread the word for it. I seriously, this shit's great, man. I I, I seriously Thank was you. blown away because when I saw it, I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like these guys are either really into King Diamond or whatever else. But I'm being honest with you. If you want my opinion, and I'm a huge King Diamond fan, but I think there is more thought process and creativity you've put into these records than he has in the later half of his career. On top of the fact, if if wow. I can speak to you. Uh, on a mu- well, as me being a, a journalist and you being a musician, those those guys, man, I've dealt with Metal Blade. We've been around. Our podcast has been around seven years, and we can't even get any of those cats to ever do anything with us. You know, wow. so it's like, and 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 we've had we've had fucking Brian Slagle on this podcast, but you know, it's like, oh, you want to talk to any about guys from King Diamond? Yeah, you can go fuck yourself. So. Yeah. It's one of those things, and I still love his music. We're going to go see Merciful Fate, I think, at the end of the month. But, but, the, but the thing about it is, is this: I love that you have taken something, not only from your original stuff. You guys were doing this like a cover band, and then you put this much thought-provoking stuff. I read comics, man. Goddamn, the story for this alone, for these characters, I love it. I mean, it's great. There will, there will be a graphic novel at one point. And possibly a screenplay written. Fuck yeah, um, dude! You know, when we get closer to that, we get closer. Seriously, like, I, I I can't tell you how blown away I am, and I'm happy to get this out there and share and you know get it out there as much as I can because, I, like I said, I'm a huge fan of like traditional metal, power metal stuff like that, which throws a lot of people off because a lot of our wheelhouse is is you know is death metal, but I like to do a lot of different shit. 
And I'm just a huge fan. I, I cannot believe that you have put this much time. I mean, do you know how many bands that I talk with, they don't put any time into their lyrics, that any kind of a concept. It's, it's, it's impressive to me, man. For what that's worth, I know I'm just some asshole from Florida, but I'm serious. Like, I'm, it's impressive. Thank you so much. And you know something? I sort of enjoyed it. Phantasm.